everyone. Welcome back to Relax with Animal Facts. I am Steph Wolf, and today I'm going to be learning with you about our furry, scaly, or possibly even slimy friends. In today's case, I think it is going to be fitting into that furry category because today we are covering the oh-so-wonderful okapi. I believe I'm saying that correctly. Uh, the okapi is a um, very amazing animal that um, was requested by a very special listener out there. Annie, thank you for writing in through Instagram. Uh, so this episode is dedicated to you and um, to, I suppose, each of you who write into the show and want to hear your uh, animal on the podcast. Now, if you want to reach out, you can do so by emailing relaxwithanimalfacts at gmail.com or alternatively, you can also go to Instagram and search up Relax with Animal Facts, and there you can follow and send me a message, and I reply to each and every one of you just because I always get so uh, giddy and excited whenever I see uh, one of you guys reaching out to request an animal or you know say something about the podcast. It gets me uh, super excited. Um, but now is not the time to necessarily get uh, super excited and amped up because this podcast is more um, just to unwind, relax a little bit. So it doesn't matter what you're doing out there. If you're laying in bed at night, if you're playing video games late at night, maybe you're on a walk in the morning, who knows? And you just want to listen to some animal facts. And no matter what you're doing, I, Steph Wolf, I'm going to be here with you for the next 30 minutes or so. Um, and help you unwind, help you relax, and take you into this immersive environment of now where we're going, which is the forest. So everyone out there, of course, assuming you're not operating heavy machinery or anything like that, you can go ahead and try to relax all your muscles, see if anything's tense, relax, and we're going to go straight into the forest where we're going to listen and learn about the uh, okapi. Now, I got my facts from Live Science or Live Science. I think it's Live Science. I think at this point, I just have to double down and say it is one or the other. So I'm going to say it is Live Science from now on. If it is wrong, feel free to send me a message. But um, with that, we can go straight into the show. Oh, I forgot one more. I used National Geographic as well. So I used two different resources today um, to learn all about this little animal. Well, I'm going to be learning with you, rather, because these, these, these facts I'm going to be learning right alongside you. So starting with the first fact, um, though they are sometimes called the forest giraffes, this creature doesn't look much like a giraffe. Um, it does have a very long tongue, and cool fact, they can actually lick their ears, which is amazing. Um, I'm sure I don't know any humans that can do this, um, but it has the body of a horse, and it, its legs have these sort of stripe-like patterns, almost like a zebra. 
so you can kind of already imagine what this animal looks like. But um, of course, I always encourage whenever you have a free second to um, try to see and compare what it looked like in your head in comparison to the real thing. So the males will have two small horns on the top of their heads that are covered with skin as well. And the okapi are part of the giraffidae family, according to the ITIS, which is the Integrated Taxonomic Information System, something that we have used on the podcast many a time. Now, this does make them a genetic uh, relative of the giraffe, but by no means do they have a super, super long neck like many giraffes do. Uh, in fact, the okapi are about five feet or about a meter and a half tall, and females are typically a little heavier at about 495 to 770 pounds, so they are fairly dense, I suppose I would say, which is about 225 to 350 kilograms to any of you out there who more relate to the kg aspect of weight, I suppose. And the males are going to weigh about 440 to 660 pounds, which is about 200 to 300 kilograms. So here we have another species in which the females are a little heavier than the males, something that is uh, at least on the show in the past, I'm not sure how many episodes we've done at this point, maybe 40, 45, 46, I'm not exactly sure. We're somewhere up there, which is amazing. But we've seen that it's much more common, at least among the animals on the show, that the males will be heavier and larger than the females. But in the case of the okapi, they are going to stray from that and the females are going to be about 20 to 50 kilograms heavier um, when they reach maturity than their male counterparts, which is super cool. And these animals are found in the African rainforest, which is why if you're listening maybe with headphones, you can hear that sort of um, noise in the background of... Um, of a little bit of rain and uh, rainforest sounds, I suppose. Um, and this is where trees are going to be very uh, dense. So they are native to the uh, Democratic Republic of Congo, home of many primate species that I absolutely love. And they are typically found within the Ituri Forest, according to the Rainforest Alliance. Now, these guys are actually very solitary and, along with that, territorial. It oftentimes, I'm seeing a trend here of when animals are particularly solitary, let's compare them to the koala episode, for example, where we learned that they love to have their space. When they're solitary, territorial just seems like it, it has to be there, in a way, so they can set up their boundaries of, hey, this is my space. Don't come in my space because, you know, uh, of whatever it is. In the case of the okapi, you know, they're fairly large, so I suppose they could do some damage if they wanted to. And I always find it fascinating the way they are territorial. 
How do they do it? Do they use scent? Do they use maybe physical markings on trees or whatnot? And in their case, they have scent glands on their feet that spread this kind of tar-like sticky marking to uh, alert others of this is my region, you know, don't come in this region. And the males will also do something that is more common, which is marking their territory with urine. And on rare occasions, sometimes they will join together in small groups. And during this time, the okapi may even play together as well as groom each other and things like that. But it's not all that common. They are the most active during the afternoon and evening times, spending this time in search of food, and that is according to the San Diego Zoo. They will follow paths worn through the forest foliage uh, by other okapi who have trod before them before. I like that verb, trod. I've never heard that before, but I suppose that is a word that this article uses here on Live Science. And males tend to have a a much larger territory and may travel up to two and a half miles. Or for all of you using kilometers out there, I'm in Canada, so we we prefer kilometers. It's about four kilometers a day. Um, So they will travel a decent amount, but not too, too much. They are not going to exert themselves like crazy. Um, which would make sense because of their diet, I suppose. So we're going to get into the diet a little bit later on in the show. And now, talking about their reproduction. So female okapis, uh, I really, really hope I'm saying that right, uh, they typically only give birth to one baby at a time. So we've covered some animals in which they will give birth to three, four or sometimes even in the double digits or triple digits of offspring when it comes to certain animals like insects. But in the case of the the female okapis here, they prefer to give, they say, one baby, that's plenty for the time being. And their gestation period is much longer than what I would have expected. It's about 14 to 16 months of a gestation period. Given their size and whatnot, I would have imagined maybe, you know, uh, maybe close to that 10-month mark or a little bit less than that. But I was wrong. 14 to 16 months. And the young are going to be born in a nest on the ground. Now, for those of you that remember the elephant episode, if you haven't listened to the elephant episode, whenever you get a chance, I, I really recommend it because it was such a fun episode. We learned that they have the highest gestation period. Just a fancy word for meaning when, uh, how long they carry the baby before giving birth. And in the case of the uh, elephant, we learned that they have the longest gestation period of any land animal, which is uh, a very, very big, um, you know, credit where credit is due. We always, we give props to the animals that are, you know, number one in certain little aspects and things like that. Sort of a funny thing that we do on the show. And an okapi calf is able to walk just after 30 minutes of being born. 
um, which is something that I think um, is common among um, a few species, mainly those such as horses, right? Horses get their legs um, very early. You know, they're able to really move very quickly as opposed, in, I, I suppose you can say, in sharp contrast to humans in which we need much, much more time to develop, to be able to walk, to be able to do what humans do. But in the case of these calves, uh, they are able to walk just after 30 minutes of being born, which is quite a milestone, I would say. And in terms of vocalizations, I find these always to be very, very interesting. Um, the, ad the adults don't generally vocalize all that much, um, with the exception of when they're ready to breed and things like that. Calves will do different noises like whistling, coughing, bleeding, uh, not B-L-E-E-D, but B-L-E-A-T, bleat. It is a kind of noise that certain animals make, and um, they will make these noises when their mother is away. And the Okapi mothers communicate with their calves by making infrasounds, which are noises that are undetectable to the human ear. So almost like a dog whistle in this way, although I don't know if it's undetectable because it is very high or because it is very low. I suppose I would assume it's a very high-pitched sound or just a sort of sound that we can't uh, detect with our human ears. We only have, um, you know, our hearing as human beings are, is not as sensitive as many other animal species out there um, in terms of smell, in terms of hearing, in terms of sight. We have uh, we get beat by many, many other animals out there uh, for sure. But um, the, the female um, okapis are very protective of their young and will beat the ground with their hooves to ward off potential threats. So it is good that they're protective because I imagine this is um, a, a very good adaptive trait to have, to have very protective mothers because it allows the offspring to reach that viability stage of being able to self-sustain. You know, in certain species, we've seen that the second that they are born, the parents go off and do their own thing and let the offspring sort of uh, fend for themselves. But in the case of the Okapi, this is not the case, I guess you could say. Um, upon reaching the uh, the age of about six months, a calf must fend for itself. So six months, they get the um, very strong protection from the mothers. And then when they reach that six months old, it is time for them to, I suppose you could say, move out, fend for themselves, um, and, you know, do what the adults are doing. So six months is a fairly short time in comparison to many other species that we've covered on this show, especially with the animal, I suppose, of this size. And as you may have heard before, baby okapis are called calves. So singular calf, plural calves. And they are about 2.6 feet or around 80 centimeters tall when they are born 
and they will weigh about 35 pounds or 16 kilograms. So calves will triple in size by the time they are two months old. Because as we learned before, some of these animals can grow close to 800 pounds. So being born at a 35 pound mark, they got a lot of growing to do, which is why I suppose they do it uh, very, very quickly. As, the, as we see, they do three times their size in just two months, which is amazing. Now, the okapi are herbivores, which I am very thankful for. A lot of these animals that are very large, you know, imagining a world in which they are carnivores would be a world that is a little bit more um, unsettling. Um, but uh, herbivore is just a fancy word for meaning they only eat vegetation. So they're not going to eat meat and things like that. They will reach up into the trees with their long tongues, as we covered before, and they will pull down a branch and sort of rake the leaves off with their mouths as they let go of the branch. Something I believe I have seen in the giraffe in things like uh, zoos or uh, through documentaries and things like that. Now, aside from leaves from trees, they will eat twigs, buds, fungi, fruits, and other vegetation that can be found in the rainforest's understory, okay? And clay from riverbeds is also very important to their diet. And this is super interesting because this clay will give them minerals and salt that they would normally not be getting from vegetation. So that is very cool. I've never read of an animal eating clay before, but it makes sense. Now, uh, not that you should eat clay out there. Let the okapi eat the clay. We can eat uh, different sorts of things. I think I am very, very comfortable with letting the okapi have the clay, and I can eat um, some other stuff. Now, um, an okapi can eat between 45 and 60 pounds, which is about 20 to 27 kilograms of vegetation each and every day. Now, that's according to the Rainforest Alliance. Now, this totally makes sense because, as we've learned many a time on the show, um, leaves and things like that are not as calorie-dense or energy-dense, I suppose you could say, as meat products or other things like that. So they have to eat a lot, lot more of them, which is fine for them. But what that's going to mean is that they're going to spend much of their day um, eating, grazing, things like that in order to reach that um, caloric intake that's sustainable for their everyday life, right? And like a giraffe, the okapi has to spread its long legs to get close enough to the ground to even get a drink of water. If you haven't seen a giraffe drink from a stream or some other relative kind of body of water, it is really, really interesting how they have to position themselves to get a drink because of their such high stature and very, very long legs. They have to get into this very silly looking position in order to drink. So um, if you haven't seen that before, I urge you sometime to check it out because it's very uh, cute looking. 
Now, the okapi, as we learned before, is the is actually the closest and only living relative of the giraffe. So, evolutionarily speaking, they are the closest living relative. And given how they look, you can kind of see it. But for the most part, I um, I would not really attribute um, them to being the closest living relative. Although I wouldn't really know what the next, um, what animal I would have in place of the uh, closest and only living relative of the giraffe. Just because the giraffe is such a unique animal with the size of its neck and things like that. We've also covered the giraffe on the podcast before. I urge those of you who haven't listened to it to listen to it. There's just so many fun episodes on, on the show. And I'm so excited that we've made it to um, 45 or 46, maybe even 47. Um, I have to check how many episodes we've actually done. Um, but it is so amazing that we've covered so many animals on the show already. So the final fact is that the okapi is indeed listed as endangered but hopefully with some environmental efforts that can be avoided um, or they can be brought back to that normalcy of at least being um, at least going up to near threatened or you know somewhere up the ladder um, because you know being endangered having an animal that's this cool be endangered really sucks so uh, hopefully through some environmental efforts and through listening to this podcast you know it's really um i find myself having a new appreciation for animals and a respect for animals right um each and every time i do an episode so just having that that respect and knowledge about animals is is um a very good thing to do or to have so i couldn't find anything to do with the okapi's name other than that it is referred to as also the forest giraffe um, i couldn't find a story behind it i couldn't find a meaning behind it so i suppose this animal or if you guys find out what okapi means maybe in another language um, you can uh, go ahead and send me a message and i will cover it on the next show but i couldn't find anything so as to this episode the reason they are named the okapi is going to have to remain a mystery which is totally okay with me in science as many of us know um discovery is happening all the time and um not that the, the origin of the name has to be discovered but what i'm saying is that in science and in um uh, different sorts of uh, realms as science sometimes you just don't know and that is totally okay um, and I suppose now I'm opening it up to have any of you uh, figure out and let me know you can send me an email you can send me an Instagram message whatever you'd like if you do find out what okapi means maybe in a different language of some sort now this was a very special episode dedicated to annie thank you for listening this episode would not be possible without you and for all of the rest of you as well um, thank you to all of those who have listened to the show from the beginning or who have been listening for some time or even new listeners out there 
I welcome each and every one of you to the podcast family because I love doing this uh, oh so much and I hope you enjoyed this Okapi episode of the show. So I hope to see you on the next podcast episode with the next animal. Take care.